Okay, John 6.38. And I just want to go over a few of these things with us that we have had. It's been a couple of weeks. And, um, and um, I, I know one thing the Lord wants to do today in demonstration. Um, so that's all I know. <laughs> I got lots of notes, but um, John 6.38. And I want you to see the connection. We talked about this two weeks ago, but some of you weren't here. John 6.38. And this is Jesus talking himself. And Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent him, who sent me. So who sent Jesus? The Father sent Jesus. Jesus came to demonstrate God's will here on earth. Jesus came to demonstrate that. So when we look at Jesus, we look at a picture of him. We read the the Gospels all about him, learning about him. He was doing exactly what the Father told him to do. He came to do God's will. So you can get a good picture of what God's will is all about here on this earth. There's no um, doubting or there's no, he's not a mean God. He's not going to beat you up if you don't do something right. He isn't like that. God is not like that. God is good God. He's a loving God. He's for you. He's not against you. He's He's done everything he can do to help you be an overcomer in this earth. He's done everything. And the reason he's done everything is because he sent his son. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son to die for each one of us. He shed his blood for each one of us. He died on the cross. And with that dying on the cross, he carried all sin. He carried all sickness. He carried all poverty. He carried all demonic um, um, fears and, and things that would come to torment. He carried it all and nailed it to the cross. And so then he called us free. And, and he called us free the minute we accepted Jesus as Lord. The minute we accept Jesus as Lord. Now, I know he died 2,000 years ago and he did that on the cross. But you're not free until you accept Jesus as Lord. And so, so then, not only that, but because Jesus couldn't be with each one of us here on the earth, which would have been great, right? We walk around arm in arm and healing people and casting out devils and preaching the gospel. But he couldn't be with everybody because he was in a human form. So so he said to his disciples, he says, I have got to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. So the Holy Spirit has come and he's with each one of you that receive him as the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like you receive, just like you receive Jesus as Lord, you receive the personal Holy Spirit. It's a free gift. Now, with that comes a prayer language, which is a dem- which is a manifestation that the Holy Spirit is occupying you, <laughs> occupying you. And see, now if you know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live within you, you wouldn't go out and do anything wrong, would you? Huh? No. You, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to. Cause the minute you went out and did something wrong, you'd start to feel conviction so strong and so bad. Unless you harden your heart to it. 
Say, God's telling you, don't do that anymore. Don't go, don't go look at pornography anymore. Don't go steal anymore. Don't go do that. He's telling you not to do that because he sent not only Jesus to die on the cross to take that away from you, but he sent the Holy Spirit to come. All three of them in their fullness live on the inside of you. So they're going to talk to you about what you're doing wrong. They're going to slap you on the hands and say, stop it. They're going to st- he's going to say, stop it, if you've really accepted Jesus as Lord. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. If you really have accepted Jesus as Lord, he's going to talk to you about what you're doing wrong. Okay? And so then in that, there's a place, if you miss it, there's a place of repentance that you can ask Jesus to forgive you, confess your sin, and, and receive forgiveness and cleansing from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. So the Holy Spirit has come to help us walk in an overcoming victory way all the time, all the time. He's right there enabling us to do that. Amen. So so we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as I teach the kids, are three in one. And they're resident within us. So when you make a mistake, he's going to tell you. Now, if you keep making the mistake, he's going to keep trying to tell you. If you keep sinning, he's going to try to tell you. If you keep sinning, he's going to try to tell you. He's going to keep trying to tell you. And each time you ignore his telling you, you harden your heart to it. Now, as a believer, we can still do that. We can harden our heart to areas that we justify. I justify. I can justify just about anything. We all can justify just about anything we're doing wrong. For example, it took me a year and a half to get the fact that too much sugar was wrong. Oh, but that's not sin. Oh, it is to me. It's sin to me. If I'm eating too much sugar and the Holy Spirit comes and tells me you need to stop it, it's not going to help your health, then I need to stop it. Because anything that I know that I do, anything that I do that's apart from faith is sin. Amen? And so, so I need to stop doing that. Well, it took me a year and a half to do that, but I finally, I finally made the choice to stop that. Okay. To stop doing that. So if you've hardened your heart, does anybody know what the best thing to do is to unharden your heart? Repent. Yeah. Once you realize that you repent, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues softens your heart to that aspect praying in tongues so you accept jesus as lord and then he leads you see the holy spirit leads you to jesus then jesus leads you to the holy spirit and you receive the person of the holy spirit and when you do that when you accept the person of the holy spirit there's a prompting that goes on on the inside of you and it will be the Holy Spirit prompting you with your own prayer language, your own heavenly language that's just between you and the Father. But oh my goodness, so much that it does. It does so much for us. And that's why we're going through Acts, that you can see a difference in all in all these guys, in all the apostles. That's why we're going through Acts. So anyway, the person of the Holy Spirit is so important. And he said he would never, he said he would never, Leave us or forsake us. That's right. He would never leave us or forsake us. So we thank you. We thank the God, our Father, who made provision for us, not only nailing sin and sickness and disease and fear and torment all to the cross. Right there should have done it. But he sent the Holy Spirit to help us be the overcomer and the the victor in, in this life. 
So, um, let's look at John 5. You guys need to stand there just for a little bit longer. Aren't they a neat group? Okay, John 5. So we see that, that I came down, Jesus came down from heaven, not to do his own will, but the will of the Father. So John 5.20 says, John 5.20, I'll give you a minute to get there. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. Okay, so the Father loves the Son, and he's going to show him all things. Well, if the Father's going to show the Son all things, let's look at the next scripture verse then, John 16. Can you flip over there to John 16, please? John 16, um, 13. 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he also will reveal it and disclose it to you. So whatever the Holy Spirit hears from here, he's going to show you. He's going to reveal it to you, because he got it from here. See, and it's really important that we understand we understand that God, our Father, loves us so much that he's going to show us things to come through, through the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter in times of tough. And, and he's our intercessor. He's our strengthener. He, he's our standby. I don't know if I left any of them out or not, but standby. Standby. The Holy Spirit's always standing by. He's always standing by. The minute you say, help me, (laughs) he's always standing by, amen? He's always standing by. He's on alert. He already knows the answer to your problem before you even ask. He knows everything about you. The Holy Spirit knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you do, actually. He knows more about you than you do. So, does that help you understand the Holy Spirit's role? I mean, I want to encourage you. I know you've heard this all before, but we forget that when we get in a time of trouble. We forget how much the Holy Spirit can show us things to come, how much the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us into all truth. We forget that he knows the answer to every situation. He knows the answer. And he's so wonderful to have standing by. Amen? (laughs) Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's look at Proverbs 25, please. God is so good, isn't he? Amen. God doesn't lie. He wants to help us. He's speaking the truth. And those who hear it and receive it, their lives are changed forever. I know mine was. Mine was changed forever in accepting the person of the Holy Spirit, well, accepting Jesus, my life was changed. Things fell off at that point in time. But when I accepted the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, it was another, it was just a transformation. And it's, and I am still transforming, and as well as all of you are, because you yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
you, you do that. So Proverbs 25 says, A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. So the plan in the heart of us, in the heart, in our heart, is the plan that the Holy Spirit has for each one of you. Each one of you have a calling. Each one of you have been called to do something for the Lord. And you know it's not going to be laborious. It's going to be fun. It'll be a great thing. It'll be a great thing that you do for the Lord. He knows you inside and out, and the Holy Spirit's come to transform you inside and out. So he's going to show you what he wants you doing. Now, um, I will have to say, you may not start out on square one, and that's okay. Because a lot of times, everything we're doing in this life, everything we do, God will use all of it to train us and ready us for the next step. He will do that. I can remember at age 11, 13, I was working and doing things in um, children's church already at that age. I was doing things with children. Eventually, I was teaching children at that age. Not, um, it was not necessarily, um, was it anything that, uh, like what I did later with kids. Because, but anyway, I was serving the Lord, playing the organ, singing in the choir, doing everything I knew to do at that point in time because I loved the Lord. I loved the Lord, and I wanted to be um, in his service. Well, and then, you know, I that continued to grow. And once I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I um, uh, decided I, I wanted to serve the Lord full time. So, of course, most of you know I quit my job at Fisher's, which was a good-paying job at the time. And my heart was to serve God. And like I said, I jumped out too soon. I was out there too soon doing that, and the... Um, the church fell apart, and um, my boss found out from Fisher's I was not working, <laughs> so he wanted me back at Fisher's, which the Lord will take care of you if, you if you say, hey, I missed it, Lord, I'm sorry, I missed it. He'll take care of getting you where you need to be. And so I was back at Fisher's for two more years. And then, and then after that, um, they had, they had a, a cutback of people, and I was, you know, I was, I was on manpower at that time, so I was one of the first ones to go. But but the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit showed me my next job. I knew it on the inside of me. So as I was looking through the paper, I saw this job. I said, that's it. So I went and interviewed for it, and that was my job then. But see, the Holy Spirit takes care of us. He showed me that job, and that job then was mine. But you know, if I hadn't acted on it, would I have been, what would have happened if I hadn't acted on it? God is so good and so loving, he would have brought the job around again, or one similar. He is so good that way. He He said he'd never leave you or forsake you, and he wants to take care of everything, every part of our life. Every part of our life, if we let him. But, you know, there's sometimes we want to control parts of our life. <laughs> we don't want to necessarily do what he prompts us to do. And and so in those places, then that's when we need to come, we need to repent and ask him to forgive us. So the counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. How do we under how do we draw out God's plan in our life? How do we draw out what he wants us to do today or tomorrow? How do we draw that out? How do we know? See the plan's already there. It's already in our inner man. How do we know? We have to pray in tongues and draw that plan out. 
We pray in our prayer language and we draw that plan out. And so the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the next step. And let's go to Acts 1. Acts 1. I'm, I'm, I really, I'm over in 4 and 5 today. I was hoping we'd do 4 and 5. But, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to build to the place where the Lord told me He wanted to do something today. And so you'll just have to, um, wait on that for a minute. Anyway, so Acts 1 8, and this is again the apostles. We've gone through this, um, um, Acts 1 and 2, and just a, a brief synopsis. Acts 1 was, they were still listening. They were listening out of their minds and not out of their spirit man. And you'll see the transformation when that happens. But um, that's a, a, a thing that we need to learn not to listen out of our, our, our uh, minds, but out of our spirit man. Amen? And so you'll look at, you'll see that um, Jesus had told them, I've got to go, but I want you to go and tarry and wait for the, the promise. And the promise was the person of the Holy Spirit. And so um, in verse 4 of Acts 1-4, And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. And then you jump over here to verse 8. Um, I know we're leaving out stuff, but we've already talked, already talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now they believed what Jesus was telling them because they had always, they had always believed Jesus. Jesus didn't lead them astray. So he was telling them, I want you to go and wait and tarry for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so they did that. And as you see in, in, um, the second, um, well, we'll back up to that in just a minute. As you see in chapter two, there and when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Okay, and now, and and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So then it goes on and explains the tongues that there was people from different countries and they were able to hear other people from other countries speaking in their language, yet that person was not from that country. So your prayer language that comes, it comes from a prompting you accept Jesus as Lord, you accept the person of the Holy, Holy Spirit, and then you're filled. And it comes with a, the Holy Spirit prompting you, giving you an unction that will come up. That unction will come up from the inside of you, and it won't make sense. It will be words that don't make sense to you. And this is what we're going to do as a group. We're going to pretend we're sitting there waiting at... at uh, Pentecost, waiting for the filling of the Holy Spirit. All of us are going to do that. And we're going to, we're going to just, uh, because, you know, the filling of the Holy Spirit is just not a one-time thing. You can receive the person of the Holy Spirit, but you can need to stay filled. If you're not full, if you're not full, there'll be things going on like um, you may be not walking in love with somebody. You can tell immediately if you're not 
filled full with the Holy Spirit. If you're short-tempered, if you're not able to walk in love with someone, if you're fearful, if you're anxious about things, if you're um, whatever you're dealing with, all those things, all those things, you can pray and build yourself up. Um, and let's go to Jude. Uh, Jude, please. That's just before Revelations, in case some of you, you guys don't know where that's at. I want you to see this for yourselves. Verse, um, it's just one, it's just one chapter, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when you pray in tongues, you're going to build yourself up. You're going to build yourself up, and you're going to build yourself up to your full, to overflowing. And that's what happened to to the apostles when they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They were in boldness, and they were preaching the gospel, and they didn't care who was there. They were pe- preaching the truth of the gospel. And so when you're full <clears throat> to overflowing like that, you're going to hear exactly where God wants you to go. You're going to hear what God wants you to do. You're going to know your calling. You're going to be able to step out in faith because you built yourself up, and you're in the love of God. You're going to, build, you're going to be able to do what he's told you to do at that moment in time. You know, like I said, we, we start, we can start over here like I did in children's church and doing this. And then I think the next phase, I was a secretary for several years for several churches. And then, and I was learning all of that. I was learning the works and the innards of a church and what makes it work, what makes it fall. What causes a church to fall? A lot of it has to do with the church knowing how to stand against division and strife. A lot of it has to do with knowing how to walk in love. When people don't want to be kind, when they don't want to be loving, it has to do. A lot of that has to do. And so, through those years, of, of I mean, there was three churches. I didn't do it either. But anyway, I was I was involved in all three of those churches, and all three of them dissolved, separated, and were in strife and dysfunction or whatever you want to call it. But through all of that. Both my husband and I learned how to stand against the demonic influences. It's not people that we're fighting. Remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers, and those that want to bring division and strife. The demonic influences want to bring division and strife. And for years, they did not. Those demonic influences do not want a work here. They don't want to work here. They don't want to work in the Midwest. But I don't care because God has told me there's going to be a work in the Midwest and we're going to, we're going to have revival here. We're going to have, we're going to have people flood in from everywhere. People flood in from everywhere because, because the Holy Spirit has prompted me and told me I'm carrying that vision and that vision will come to pass as long as I stand for it to come. Amen. Same with anything in your life. Whatever God has promised you and told you that the Holy, what the Holy Spirit has told you in your time with Him or in your prayer time with the Father, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He will show you things to come. He'll talk to you about things, but it's important that the Holy Spirit is there to help you with that understanding. And so I didn't have the Holy Spirit um, until later on. I was doing musicals in 
in, in Des Moines, and I would drive back and forth from Des Moines. And so I had praise music going. Didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't pray in tongues. Didn't know anything about that. But I loved God. I loved God. And all of a sudden I started hearing, I need you to be in Marshalltown. I have a work for you to do there. Okay. Well, I'd hear that a couple of times, you know. And so then I would go. I would go, okay, I'm trying to find where I belong, you know, here in town. So I went to a denominational church. Oh, man. Anyway, it was so dry and dead. I thought, I thought, forget this. I cannot do this. I can't do this. And I was looking for what I had experienced in Des Moines. Now, that church, there was some full gospel people there, some not. It was not taught there. But there was life. I could sense the life, and I was looking for life. You know, you should be able to sense life in a church. If you don't sense life in a church, you run as fast as you can. You know, life should be there. So I was looking for life. And so then I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going back to Des Moines. And I started driving back and forth. And the Lord said, I have a work for you to do in Marshalltown. Okay. <laughs> so I went to the same denominational church, but I went to a different group. And I got involved with the, the singles group at the time and eventually became the president of the singles group. And, um, and so I was... Um, at the same time, I was looking, still looking for life because life wasn't there either. And, and, uh, I, I knew that this one pastor was doing counseling and I love to counsel. If you've ever been around me, I enjoy that aspect very much. And so, um, so anyway, I wanted to go hear what he had to say. So I went to his counseling classes and he had a small church he had started. So I went to this small church on a Sunday morning and it was just him and his family, the worship leader. And one other family there. And so another lady and I had gone from the singles group. And I, I knew it. I stood up after. I said to the friend that came, I said, this, I sensed the life here. It was just a small, small group of people. But I sensed the life. I sensed the life. And so so anyway, I um, started uh, coming. And the next Sunday was Easter. And I decided I'm going to. I'm going to go to sunrise service at this other church, and I'm going to go to this church for Easter Sunday. So I happened to tell the singles what I was doing, and 30 of them went with me. 30 of them went with me from the denominational church to the church with life. And um, to this day, um, they're all still functioning in life. Some are in their calling, some are not. But anyway, it was, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience. And that's that is then where I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So God can, God can talk to you, but I'll tell you, when you have the Holy Spirit, he's gonna, he wants to talk to you all the time and tell you about things, about your life and who you are and what you need to change, what you need to let go, why this happened in your life and why that should happen in your life. He's all about helping you. That's why he's the helper. Amen? Okay, so, so and when the and chapter 2 of Acts 2 Acts 2, excuse me. And when the day of the Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Filled, that word filled just kept jumping at me. In verse 4, it says the same thing. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. See, it's really important. I, I've told you this story before. When I come on a Wednesday night, sometimes I don't want to be there. I am so tired for maybe a full day of activity or whatever's going on, my flesh wants to sit down at home and kick back in my chair and turn on a Hallmark movie. That's what my flesh wants to do. 
But you know, my flesh doesn't win. (laughs) My spirit man is stronger than that. And so off I come. And when I get done praying in the spirit, after even just an hour praying in the spirit, when I get done praying in the spirit, it's like I've had a steak for supper. I've had a full meal and I'm ready to go. By the time I get home after two hours of praying, I'm up, I'm up, I'm energized and I'm ready to go do whatever God wants me to do whether it's pray some more or whether it's read the word or whether it's prepare something for the next the next Sunday or whatever he's wanting me to do. But I am more alive then than when I went. But see, I made the choice to go. I made the choice to pray in tongues. I made the choice to, to do what God has called me to do. Every one of you have called to pray. Every one of you. And he's given you the Holy Spirit so that you'll pray in tongues and build yourself up. Build yourself up. You have this edifice on the inside of you. Build yourself up. And you build yourself up. And then when the devil comes tapping on your door and says, I want you to do this sin, you spent time praying in the Spirit and building yourself up. You're not going to go over there and do that sin because your flesh wants you to do it. You're going to stand here and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You don't run my life, devil. The Spirit of God on the inside of me, my spirit man is stronger than my flesh, and I'm I'm going to yield to him. See, that's what we have to do. We have to build ourselves up. We have to build ourselves up. That's why you hear me talk about praying in tongues so much, because I know how it works, and I know that it has worked for me, and I know that it will work for you if you just do it, if you just do it. Amen? Okay, so, so chapter 2 was a lot like... Just to back up once to one, um, um, okay, so anyway, anyway, I was just going to talk to you a little bit more. There was one place, um, verse 14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves in prayer along with women and Mary Mother, they were all together, all in agreement, all voting, all uh, spending time praying in the spirit, or spending time waiting for what God had promised. Amen? They were all doing that. They were all in one accord. They all had the knowing that Jesus said, go wait, go tarry, wait for the promise. And that's what they were doing then in verse 14. And then 24 says, and they prayed and said, thou Lord who knowest the hearts of all men, show which one of these Two thou hast chosen. Okay, so then they get to the place where now, where now then uh, they're still doing stuff in the flesh. They're they're needing to replace the guy, the Judas that was was um, killed himself. And anyway, so they were trying to do that. Then then on Pentecost, chapter two, the Holy Spirit came rushing in like a mighty rushing wind. And uh, and verse six, let's start there in chapter two. And when this sound occurred. The multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? So they they were explaining the tongues. Then I want you to look over here at verse 14 or 13. But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. They were making fun of them. Verse 14, but Peter, taking his stand, would you say he was being bold? He was being bold with the 11, raised his voice and declared to the men, 
Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And then he, he lays it out to him. He says, this is what was spoken, spoken of. In verse 22 then, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered up by the, and so he's preaching the gospel then to him. He had the boldness after the Holy Spirit came upon him. He had boldness to preach the gospel, you know, because it said over here in Acts 1, 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So Peter stood up in all boldness because the Holy Spirit had come upon him and preached the gospel to them. Amen. Okay, and so let's look at, and so he's still preaching the gospel. That's 32. Okay, then first let's look at 37. I mean, I, I covered a lot of this before, but verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard the gospel preached, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to him. And with many other words, the solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, verse 41, those who had received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So in Peter being bold, 3,000 souls were added that day. Amen? Now look at what they were doing in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were praying. They were praying. They were praying. Well, yeah, but they just got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do they have to keep praying? Yeah, you have to keep praying. Keep yourself filled. Keep yourself filled. Keep yourself filled. Keep that edifice built up. Otherwise, you're going to be yielding over to the flesh and making a flesh decision. Amen? I think maybe he's wanting to um, stress the importance of praying in tongues so that we don't make... How many of you make decisions out of your own mind of what you're going to do each day? I don't want your hands. But how many of you do that? You make your decisions based on what your mind is telling you to do, or maybe you, I've done this before, and I, this is how this works, and I'm going to do it again this way. But maybe the Holy Spirit has a better way to do it. How many of you take time to ask? How many, ta- how many of you take time to find out what's the Holy Spirit saying about that situation? And so, see, when we're led of the Spirit... When we're led of the Spirit, primarily we're led by the witness of the Spirit here. The witness of the Spirit here on the inside because it's out of your belly flows rivers of living water. So we're primarily led that way. There's other ways that we can be led, but primarily it's witness of the Spirit. And I want you to look at Second Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. 
I had no rest for my, from, for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. I had no rest for my spirit. I had no rest for my spirit. When you're missing it, there's no rest. There's no rest. When there's something amiss, there's no rest. There's no rest. But the minute you make the right decision, you make the right move, there's a peace that comes, and the Holy Spirit's letting you know you made the right decision. See, the church doesn't the church doesn't know to be led by the Spirit. Church at large doesn't know to be led by the Spirit, by the witness of the Spirit. I mean, we can be led. If angels can give us talk to us. There can be visions and dreams, tongues and interpretation, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, there's a still small voice. Uh, there's an audible voice. All those things can lead you and guide you, you know, because of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are, are manifest when we have the speaking in tongues. Your gate, the door for the gifts of the Spirit to manifest is through the speaking in tongues. The gifts of the Spirit, we're not going there, but there's all, all those, the, the gifts are, are in Second Corinthians, and you can look at those, uh, but we're not talking about them today. Okay, I want to go back to Acts. Acts um, so basically you see that they were devoting themselves uh, to teaching and to prayer. They were single-minded, verse 47, they were praising God, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day people that were being saved because they were in one mind, one accord. And that's why I encourage you when you come in here, you come in one mind, one accord. You come hungry for the word. You come expecting to receive whatever need you have met. You come expecting to have the answer to any questions that you have. Okay? So in chapter 3 now, Peter and John were going up to the temple, and we talked quite a bit, I think, about um, Peter and John. And they fixed their gaze upon the the guy that was always laid on the by the gate beautiful uh, verse three and when he saw Peter and he he was always laid there, he didn't have any money, but he would start begging alms from those that going into the temple and so when he went when they would go into the temple, Peter and John went into the temple, but they had no money, they had nothing to give, they had nothing to give, nothing to give to this this guy that was laying on except. Verse 4, and Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So he had an expectation to receive, an expectation to receive. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And he grabbed him and he said, walk in Jesus' name. He said to walk in Jesus' name. And so so the name that's... Let's look at Philippians um, 2, I believe it is, 2. Where it talks about um, Jesus, where we're supposed to have this attitude in us that Christ Jesus had in verse 6 of chapter 2. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and became a bondservant, became like us, Jesus did. And verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus was a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name 
which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So, so um, Peter and John, when they took a hold, they had nothing else to give, but they gave, they used the name of Jesus and spoke to that guy to rise up, rise up and walk. And so there's a scripture verse that talks about what you've been given, you freely give yourself. What have we been given? And in in um, Second Peter one, it talks about we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything you already have it all. You already have it all. You've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. And so then, what you've been freely given, it says to for you to freely give. So so if I come over here and I and I take her hand and I, I command life to flow into her, the life that flows through me flows into her. It's not my life, it's his life flows into her, touching every need that she has in Jesus' name. Every need. Every need. She has a need. (laughs) (laughs) Every need. Amen? Every need. Every need. So I freely give See, and it's flowing through me. It's not me doing anything. I'm just being obedient to do what he's told me to do, to lay hands on the sick and they recover, to cast out devils, to preach the gospel. I lay hands on, and God works through me to bring about a change in her. And she's expecting to receive. That's why I tell you when you come to church, expect to receive. Anyway, okay, so... Chapter 3, it's really important The name we have the name of Jesus that's above every name that we can use. And we use our authority to command demonic influences to leave in, 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 in any situation. Demonic influences. You know, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So demonic influences will move in and oppress people and you have to be ready to kick them out. You know, but then there's just plain... People that just need, not plain people, but people just need to be healed. Amen? Okay, so, okay, so let's see. um, Verse 10, and they were talking, taking note of him as being one who used to sit at the beautiful gate at the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen? And, And while, verse 11, he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them, and, this, and at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by your our own power or piety we had made him walk? See, it wasn't, it wasn't because of their own ability. It was the ability that was in them. Okay? Okay, and so on. In verse 16, in the basis of faith in his name, in the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Okay? So, and then you jump down here to verse 26. For your first, for you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So the main reason Jesus came was to set the captives free, to get them born again to turn them away from sin. Now, I, I went through this pretty fast. I want to jump over into verse in chapter 4. And they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard, 
Now they're, and the Sadducees came upon them. Okay, now Sadducees, if you just say sad, you see, they were sad. They were sad. They were causing trouble. And the reason they wanted to cause trouble is because they only believed the first five books. They did not believe in the resurrection. Okay? And being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. So they were concerned that they were going to turn the people from Judaism to Christianity. And they they didn't want that to happen. Um, Verse 4, But many of those who had heard, who had heard the message, believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So we're talking, numbers were continuing to increase and people being saved. And the reason that was, there's several reasons. They were all spending time in one accord, one purpose, one heart. They were after what God wanted for that area. God wanted revival. God wanted change in, in the church. God wanted change in, in the people that didn't, you know, weren't churched. He wanted change. He wanted revival to come to that area. So one important thing that they did was they spent time together in prayer, fellowshipping and breaking bread together, but they spent time in prayer and praising the Lord. They spent time in prayer. Men, they were in one accord. And so then, um, Let's see, let me just read four, four, verse four in chapter four. But many of those who had heard the message believed the number of the men came to about, be about 5,000. And it came about on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? See, they were trying to get them to trip up and say they had done it by a familiar spirit or by a demon. And instead, Peter started preaching the gospel. Peter then filled. Look at verse 8. Peter filled. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, you know, but wait a minute. Let's see. Hmm. They were they were together praying, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, to all of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. So he started preaching the gospel with all boldness. And um, I've got a side note here. What holy, what takes possession of your mind is said to be what's that, what's that, <laughs> is said to fill you what possesses your mind is what fills you should i say that again what possesses your mind what fills your mind is what fills you so if your mind is thinking a lot about worldly things or fleshly things that's what you're filled with if you're thinking a lot about spiritual things and about what you can do for the Lord or about your calling, then you're, you're filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? And like I said, another way you can tell, if you spend, if you're, if you get angry or if you get upset or if you get, um, um, anxious, if you get fearful, if you get in strife, you're not filled. You're not full of, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. You're full of your flesh. Sometimes that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? It's a little bit kind of hard. But see, there's a remedy for that. Spend time 
fellowshipping with the Lord and praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you're going to fellowship with him and he's going to talk to you and you're talking to him. You don't understand it at all, what you're saying in your prayer language. But God knows he's talking to you and it's coming in and it's coming into your inner man. And then you may be over here doing dishes and all of a sudden he tells you about a scripture verse. Remember a couple of weeks ago I told you that he, I, I was up in the, in the middle of the night and he started talking to me about the scripture verses that I just shared with you a little bit ago. He started putting, connecting things together. So he'll do that. I, I hadn't, he just all of a sudden started talking to me about that. So when you're full of the spirit, he's going to talk to you about things that are important to you. And so hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you, you, you know to listen. Okay, so he's filled with the Spirit. And, and another side note there, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers, he was talking in boldness there. And do you know he was having to talk in front of Caiaphas? Caiaphas was the one that Peter, Peter stood before or was around when Jesus was captured and crucified. It was Caiaphas that, that Jesus was taken to was one of them. Anyway, and remember Peter denied three times? He denied three times. So in, in, and so now look at Peter and his boldness. And here he is standing before Caiaphas preaching the gospel this time, talking about Jesus this time. Do you know that Caiaphas and doing some of my research, Caiaphas was so cut to the quick and so bothered in his inner man about what he had done to Jesus that Caiaphas committed suicide. Do you know that? Caiaphas committed suicide. Um, there's a little more history to that, but but he he did. And so uh, I, I, I just find it interesting how bold Peter was at that time to be able to preach the gospel to a guy that he had... Uh, been in front of somewhat, you know, he was off to one side and they were asking me, do you, you were with Jesus, weren't you? No, no, not me. Mm-mm. You know, and here he is standing up boldly proclaiming Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life in front of Caiaphas this time. Isn't that amazing? But it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him that he was able to do that. Okay, so... um Let's see. Let's jump down to verse 13 now. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John, understood they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. See, people will recognize that you have been with Jesus. When you spend time with him, spend time with the Holy Spirit, they're going to recognize you've been with Jesus. They're not only going to recognize that you're different. You're different. You walk in boldness and... But also the things that you're going to do, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover the things. And just like people went running, they were amazed at this man that had just never been, he was 38 years old, never walked in his life, always laid out in front of the the temple and, and was begging alms for 38 years, begged alms. He couldn't even get up off that mat. He had to be carried to the place. And he was begging alms and all of a sudden, Jesus... Jesus laid, or not, Peter and John grabbed a hold of him in the name of Jesus, and he rose up and walked. After being lame for 38 years, lame, not able to do anything. But see, that's the kind of thing that we need to 
renew our mind to the fact that that same thing we can do. We can have the authority to grab those those people that maybe don't have any limbs that are gone, limbs that are gone, or maybe they've never walked or they're deformed in wheelchairs. We can grab them and say, rise up, be healed, walk in Jesus' name. But it's not us doing it. So if you are in the way, and, and I've had to work through this myself, um, where you can't you can't be the one that's doing it. You have to let him do it through you. You understand what I'm saying? You have to let him do it through you. You're, you're never, ever going to be in the picture. And if you are in the picture, you need to get yourself out of the picture. I mean, I, I, there's a number of times that the Lord, I repent. I repent. I, I'm not the one. And I had to, had to renew my mind to the fact that it's not me doing it. It's him doing it through me. Because nothing will happen if I try to do it. Nothing will happen if I'm trying to do it. So if you're in the way, if you think you have the answer, if you think you're trying to do something, whatever it is, you need to get out of the way because God will not use you. God won't use you. He, he won't. Because it be da- it'll be damaging to you. It'll be damaging to you if he uses you. And we've seen this in some of the revivals that have, have broke out. These people weren't that were heading them up, that were, a lot of miracles were going on. They had... Uh, flesh handles that that devil was able to get a hold of and take them out or cause damage to the body of Christ at that point in time. And so, so that's why, that's why we encourage you to spend time with the Lord, pray in tongues, fellowship with the Father, um, um, let Him transform you. Not that you aren't transformed, I'm talking about your flesh, your flesh that likes to do fleshly things. Amen? Okay, so, um, I want to finish four. I really do. Um, they, anyway, it's important that they recognize that they were unlearned men. Um, let's see. So they were they were told to stop to stop preaching the gospel. They were told to stop it. And um, uh, let's see. Verse sixteen. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them, is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order, verse 17, that it may not spread any further among people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And so they were encouraged to stop speaking. But see, if God has told you to speak the truth, you have to obey God. You can't You can't stop speaking because some man wants you to stop. All right? Um, verse 24, and when they heard this, I mean, basically they, the men were, um, and verse 23, and when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices again. They were in one accord to God. They lifted their voices in one accord and said, O Lord, it is thou who didst make the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in, in them. Verse, jump down to 29. And now, Lord, take note of the, their threats and grant that thy bondservants may speak the word with all boldness again or confidence while thou dost extend thy hand to heal. The hand there, God's always, you'll see that a lot. It's just a, it's just a way of saying God's power working through you. Extend thy hand to heal and signs and wonders taking place through the name of thy holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed the place, Look what they were doing again in verse 31. 
And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, they were all filled. Verse 32, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them calmed, claimed that anything belonged to them. Again, there were so many people coming in for the revival that people were giving and, and giving land or selling land and bringing finances, um, finances to help feed all these people. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord and abundant grace was upon them all. Um, basically, and for, for there was not a needy person among them, all who were owners of land. And it says it wasn't that they were mandated to do that. They weren't mandated to do any of it. They just were wanting to help. And you'll see just a little side note in, in chapter 5 where Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they just can, they just connive to lie. They didn't have to, they didn't have to sell their land. They didn't have to tell them that they didn't have to tell them this lie, but that was their heart. Their heart was to lie about it. There was no, there was no um, demand on them. There was no demand on them to have to sell anything, but they decided in their heart to lie about it. Okay. So Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of land? Verse 4, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? So basically the control was still left to them. The control was still left to them. But the lying was not. God doesn't have time for lying. There's no time for that. Anyway, I had scripture verses on that, but what I want to do right now before we leave, I want us to, you, I know there's some out here that don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, um, if you would like to receive this as a good opportunity to do that, if you haven't prayed in your prayer language for a while, this is an opportunity for that to be stirred up, for that to happen for you, um, to, to become stronger here and, um, stronger in praying in your prayer language is what I'm trying to say. Um, and, and, you know, if you've received your prayer language years ago and you haven't used it, it's still there. It doesn't go away. The Holy Spirit never leaves. The Holy Spirit never leaves. So if you've accepted Jesus as the Lord, we're, we're going to go through that too. And just take a prayer. So basically just repeat after me once we get started. And when we come to the place of where you accept the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is just going to go whoosh. And, and in that, it's going to go whoosh in each one of you. Whoosh. And then in that, when you have your, when, when that happens, I mean, I can tell. I'll, I'll know whether you're receiving or not. Um, when that happens, you're going to hear words that are not going to make sense. It's like a baby learning to talk, only it's your prayer language. And it's going to not make sense. Mind flowed right away. Some people just get a couple of words. But the important thing is to give it voice. You have to give it voice. You can't just sit there and, and hear it, but you have to give it voice because that needs to come out of your mouth, Okay. Okay, so when you hear those words, I want you just to go ahead and speak them out. Everybody's going to be praying in tongues. 
It's, we're not just going to listen for you if you don't have it. Everybody's going to be praying in tongues because there's people in here that haven't prayed in tongues for a while. There's people in here that need to be filled up and full to overflowing. Amen? And so, um, so let's... Uh, your prayer language will develop more and more. Even if you get just two words... You don't just stop saying, and oh, that's all I got, just two words. No, it's not all you got. <laughs> Do more. Come on. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Mine has changed over the years. I don't know how many times. One time when I was, after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, one time I was driving to Des Moines to be in a musical again. So I, I had heard something that Kenneth Hagin said something about, just yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and ask him for a different prayer language. Okay, all right. So I would do that, and I would have a different tongue each time, a different tongue each time, and it would sound different. And so uh, so I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody, but I know that's why sometimes I have, a, I have an Indian tongue, I have a Chinese tongue, whatever else um, comes out. I just yield to it and let it do it what it wants to do and, and um, bring to pass what it wants to bring to pass. So I'm, I'm just going to encourage you to just give it voice. Like I said, everybody's going to be praying in tongues. And I think basically we're going to be doing more and more of this because the emphasis right now is on the, is on the Holy Spirit in this hour, the Holy Spirit and the power that the church needs to walk in, the power that the church needs to walk in. And when the church is walking in power, then we come against people that believe in Buddha. We'll have the wisdom to know how to talk to them. You know what I'm saying? Because, see, the people, the Lord told me a couple of weeks ago, the people that are coming across the border, my husband and I, years ago when they started coming across the border, oh, that doesn't seem quite right, but what can we do? The Lord's, we just, we just decided that people are going to come across the border. They're coming to get the gospel preached to them. So that was our stand years ago. So as I woke up one night and I was thinking about that aspect of all these people coming from all these countries, you know what the Lord said? He said, let them come. He said, because they're coming here to get saved and born again, and they're going to run to their countries. They're going to run to their nations and get their nations saved. They're going to run back because they know what they've got, and they want to see their nations saved. That's my heart. I want to see the nations saved. Amen.